You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. I'm finishing up the collection of three lectures by Rudolf Steiner with the appendices of the book The Redemption of Thinking. This is Appendix 1 on Origin, uh, from who lived from 186 to 253 AD. And if you have the book, these are references to pages 24 and 117. It is clear that Rudolf Steiner saw a close connection between Justinian's declaration against Origen, the great Egyptian father of the Church, and the banishment of the Athenian philosophers. The edict anathematizing certain teachings of Origen were made, was made by Justinian nearly 300 years after Origen's death and 143 years after his condemnation by the See of Rome. His teaching had survived through the disciples he had left and their successors, and Justinian's own sympathies had at one time been enlisted on behalf of the originists. The subsequent edict was a part of his general policy of trying to eliminate unorthodox elements within his dominions and to bring into complete uniformity the religious life of his subjects. This motive also caused him to close the schools at Athens, which he regarded as nurseries of paganism. Rudolf Steiner frequently emphasized the significance of the first three centuries of Christianity, when the Pauline concept of man as a being of body, soul, and spirit was so powerful, and when the principle of initiation or higher knowledge was followed in order to gain a deeper comprehension of the mysteries of Christianity, in which the doctrine of the Logos then held the central place. The writings of Clement of Alexandria and of his pupil, Origen, demonstrate most fully these traits in that earlier theology, which gradually became obscure, and in the West almost obliterated, though it survived in a sense through the writings of Dionysus the Areopagite. It is necessary that certain facts connected with this early Christian theology should be considered not only in order to define the relationship of Augustine and Thomas Aquinas to one another, but also because, as Steiner has pointed out, there is a re-emergence today of impulses which first made their appearance during the first three Christian centuries. Hort anticipated this observation when he said in 1890, commenting on the unexplored portions of the field of thought of Clement of Alexandria, that, quote, what he at once humbly and bravely attempted under great disadvantages at the beginning of the third century will have to be attempted afresh with the added experience and knowledge of seventeen Christian centuries more if the Christian faith is to hold its own among men. And when the attempt is made, not a few of his thoughts and words will probably shine out with a new force, full of light for dealing with new problems. Close quote. Footnote F. J. A. Hort, titled The Anti-Nicene Fathers, or The Anti-Nicene Fathers, A-N-T-E, Nicene Fathers, sorry, close, end of footnote. Controversy raged round the name of Origen 
both during his lifetime and after his death. No early father of the church exercised so wide and so vital an influence in the Eastern Church as he. And none reached the same intellectual height nor achieved the same level of scholarship. The catechetical school of Alexandria, to which he succeeded Clement as head, was Neoplatonic and avowedly eclectic. Its aim was to extract truth from every source, pagan and Christian, and to combine these verities into one vast whole. It believed Christianity to be a developing process in which, before the Incarnation, the way had been prepared, not only by the Jewish nation, but also by Greek philosophy for the, quote, royal doctrine of the gospel, close quote. It sought to reach an understanding of the cosmic significance of the facts of revealed religion and to relate religious phenomena objectively to supersensible factors. Origen brought his threefold concept of body, soul, and spirit to his interpretation of the scriptures, teaching that they may be read on three different levels, the physical or literal, Quote, by which the simple may be edified, close quote, the soul or psychological for the more advanced, and finally the spiritual for those who have reached a yet further stage in their development. Seventeen centuries have passed since the death of Origen, but a scholar of today writing of the school marks quote, its love of learning, its enthusiasm for knowledge of every kind that would lead to true interpretation of the gospel it's no less sincere recognition of the need of faith and love in the search after truth, its desire to bring the whole of human life consciously under the rule of Christ, and to apply to every domain of thought and conduct the principles embodied in his life and teaching. <laughs> These characteristics show themselves in the work of all members of this school, and the result is an interpretation of the gospel which is at once inclusive of the best Greek philosophical thought and genuinely Christian, close quote, footnote, uh, from J. F. Bethune Baker, title An Introduction to the Early History of Christian Doctrine to the Time of the Council of Chalcedon, close, end of footnote. In the beautiful brief life of Origen by his pupil Gregory Thaumaturgus, it is recorded that this dear head, by force of his own virtue, implanted into his catechumen the love of righteousness, whose, quote, golden face, close quote, they saw disclosed. Gregory also records that his master used to declare that true religion was impossible to one who did not philosophize. Footnote, Gregory Thaumaturgus, title Address to Origin, translated by W. Metcalf, end of footnote. There is very strong evidence that Origen was a pupil of Plotinus in the school of Ammonius Saccas at Alexandria, and Dean Inge, writes of them that they, quote, resembled each other in their devotion to truth and in lovableness and nobility of character, close quote. He points out the analogy between the arduous journey of the soul as it was understood by Origen and the soul's journey of Plotinus. Origen fashioned, quote, the noble theory of a stairway of worlds superimposed one on another, not in space but in time, and leading up by their ascending grades of perfection to the consummation in which God shall be all in all. Quote. The ascent of the soul, quote, which Plotinus describes 
as an inner process of the individual, is an origins philosophy writ large in the life history of the universe itself. It is as if the soul of the Neoplatonic system were traveling with all individual souls toward the heavenly city. For Plotinus, the universal soul can always pray and aspire, but it seems to have no history. Whether Origen's vision of cosmic progress is tenable scientifically is another question. In the history of philosophy, his theory holds a place as an interesting attempt to give the world a real history within the divine scheme, without, at the same time, admitting progress or development in God himself. Close quote, footnote, W.R. Inge, titled The Philosophy of Plotinus, volume 2, pages 19 through 20, and a footnote. Thus Origen and Plotinus both stood for the ancient certainty of the supersensible, which Plotinus related to human life and thought and origin to the Christian revelation. There is also a further analogy between Plotinus's quote, ascent to the one, close quote, and Origen's teaching that in religious understanding different levels exist, and that spiritual knowledge can only be given and gained in an ascent from stage to stage. Quote, Hence, Origen says, Christianity must be both spiritual and corporeal, and when we should set forth the corporeal gospel and say we know nothing amongst the carnal save Jesus Christ and Him crucified, we must do so. <laughs> but when we find people perfect, perfected by the Spirit and bearing the fruits thereof and in love, with heavenly wisdom, we ought to communicate to them the discourse which rises from the Incarnation to that which was with God. Close quote, footnote, origin, title in Johann, uh, 1, part 6, or page excuse me, 7, and a footnote. The 4th century saw a gradual reaction from independent spirit-conscious spirit thought toward a formal official theology related to the level of physical consciousness. This movement was carried to the uttermost lengths by Justinian in his condemnation of Origen and in his silencing and banishment of the Athenian philosophers. Canon Raven recently remarked that given different circumstances, Origen would have made a great scientist. He also pointed out one of the radical changes that took place in the 4th century when the Logos doctrine and, quote, its magnificent expansion into or originist theology, close quote, was overcome by the altered attitude of Western man toward the order of nature, citing Ambrose of Milan as typical of the new outlook in this realm. Footnote, Charles E. Raven, nat uh, titled Natural Theology and Christian Theology, the Gifford Lectures, 1951, first series, and a footnote. Augustine, whom Steiner describes in these lectures as a fighting personality, torn between the outlook of the past and that of the future, was deeply influenced by Ambrose, to whom, as he himself says, he came as to a lodestar, after being long detained by the academics, quote, tossing in the waves, close quote. Footnote Augustine, titled Divita Vita Beata, section 4, end of footnote. The new outlook did not tend to make more comprehensible the mystery of the Incarnation, and by the 6th century it had become a problem of acute and violent concern, particularly in Egypt and Syria, where the monophysite 
party had become strong. This party turned to Neoplatonism to support its doctrine and brought to its aid the writings of Dionysus the Areopagite. This occasioned the first vogue known to history for these writings and coincided with a reaction in favor of originist teaching. Footnote Hastings, title Encyclopedia of Religion and Ethics, and a footnote. Though the writings are colored by the ideas of Proclus, one of the most able of the successors of Plotinus, who occupied the chair of Plato in the 5th century, they also appear to be mysteriously linked with Origen in the following manner. In the 5th century, a monk of Edessa, Stephen bar Zudheli, traveling in Egypt, came under the influence of revived originist teaching, which he embraced and later expounded. He is believed to be the writer of certain works which appeared under the authorship of Hierotheus and which are closely akin to the writings of Dionysus. Footnote De Lacy O'Leary, title How Greek Science Passed to the Arabs. End of footnote. Dionysus himself, in his treatise titled On the Divine Names, refers to this Hierotheus as quote, our divine initiator, close quote, and mentions his doctrine with profound reverence, quoting from his works. A strong affinity exists between the teachings of Origen and Dionysus in the stress they both lay on the importance of the hierarchies of angels in man's spiritual evolution. This teaching reappeared in the works of Thomas Aquinas and today has been vividly restated by Rudolf Steiner. These brief indications enable us to understand the connection in Rudolf Steiner's mind between the edict of Justinian against Origen and his banishment of the philosophers and help us to realize some of the changes that took place in Christian thought in the centuries that followed this, quote, double event, close quote. Speaking of Origen and other early fathers of the Church, Steiner said, quote, When we consider these great souls, we find that there was alive and active in them a very special stimulation of ideas and conceptions, and that an entirely different spirit dwelt in them from that which later animated the Church. It is in a spirit like theirs that we must seek to approach the mystery of Golgotha. Close quote, footnote, Rudolf Steiner, title, Building Stones for an Understanding of the Mystery of Golgotha. End of footnote and end of this appendix on origin.